My name is Pranam Atatkar, and this is Embrace Your Lazy. This podcast will turn your dreams into reality by helping you realize that we are lazy and perfect human beings, and by teaching you the habits to use laziness to your advantage. Today in the show, we have Sachin Medekar. We talk about a lot of cool things. We talk about how he started his own company, about a satirical comedy magazine he started at UCLA, and how he tries to always defy expectations. Before we start, I just want to say, stay till the end, where we give you the takeaways from this interview you can apply to your life today. And this is a bonus interview, so it's a little bit more meandering than my main interviews. And if interviews aren't your jam at all, just check out one of my audio essays, which are different than anything else out there in podcasts today. Please consider subscribing, writing a review, and letting me know what you think. Here's Sachin. Uh, I mean, I remember early days where we actually had to turn down clients because we didn't have the capacity, which was a cool problem to have. Um, <laughs> That's a great problem. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my god, too much work. And 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 now, I mean, of course, it goes in waves, and you'll be like, oh my god, we only have two clients right now, or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, but scaling up in that way, I mean, honestly, I like deep seated dreams are to just like because uh, right now all of our developers work from home, which I kind of actually like being able to offer that. Um, because I think offices are like it's an interesting idea where you have to, like you're made to go sit in this place for for however many hours a day, mm-hmm. um, but I also do low key want an office, uh, and I think oh I kind of I, I mean knock on wood over here, but uh, I think we're sort of on track to potentially sometime this year or by the end of the year um, get a cool space. Uh, and that would be cool just because I'd love to decorate an office with a bunch of like arcade machines. And <laughs> I just want to make like a rec room. Go <laughs> full uh, Silicon Valley tech company. Totally. But it's going to be with, but with, with heart, with passion. It's not going to be like a cold. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the true. I, I, I don't, I think there's something like insidious about like tech company, uh, like, like culture kind of like the idea is like Google and all these places actually just give out like free lunches and stuff, but that's just so that you stay there and work, you know, yeah. I, yeah. like, I don't know if I like that actually. So I, I probably implement a policy where like developers only have to come in like twice a week or something and can work wherever, but then just make a cool spot that you can hang out and like drink beer or something. I don't know. Dude, um, that's spectacular. That's, that's awesome, dude. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, we just transitioned. I, people used to ask why crown and lantern was the name. Um, and, and well, I mean, people still ask that, but, um, the joke, which I still is a pretty valid point though, is that if we ever fail at software, we can just transition into a bar and it sounds like a bar too. <laughs> and I'm also just describing this office that's mainly like for socializing. So it's clearly not even that much of an office. So there, so really this transition might happen even if we succeed at software. So you're um, going to start a bar. Basically. Yeah. Basically I'm just, yeah, I'm just dad. Listen, I'm, this listen, is just cut, I'm cutting all the software stuff. Yeah. 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 I see <laughs> um, you. Exactly. I mean, I think it'd be fun. Um, but yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so if yeah. these, if these developers, you know, are, are working remotely and stuff like that, um, is how do you kind of think about finding, um, oh, do you have a, do you have a call coming? Yeah. Or? Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, how, how do you think of fi- finding people who are like, as into this as you are right because uh, the hard i think the hardest part is i call them co-conspirators it's really hard finding a co-conspirator and 
you know, creating an app or creating a film or whatever, um, it's very difficult to find people who are that into it as much as you are. Like, is that probably is more of an issue if these people are working remotely, right? Definitely. Yeah. Well, so I mean, um, we definitely, yeah. So in terms of remotely, we do let our developers work kind of wherever, but I don't think at least up frontless, I already knew them, like almost all of the developers that I could see working with in the future, but I'm, and definitely with the ones that I have already been working with definitely meet in person at first, like, and, and, you know, meet ongoing throughout the relationship. Um, but, um, the way I, I kind of, I identify someone who I trust and would work with, um, is a, I think just treating the first kind of conversation or the interview, quote unquote, like much more casually than tech interviews normally are held. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever done a tech interview, um, but they're the worst. They're just, they're, they're actually like tests. So often companies will have you come in and like, literally they'll just be like, okay, write out this code. Like it's like a test and we'll just watch you do it. And then, you know what I mean? Like, or they'll literally give you like kind of a quiz and you just do the quiz. Um, and obviously there's an element there that that validates sort of their ability to program or something like that. But the truth is that that is so removed from who that person is. I've always found that to be sort of a ridiculous practice. I mean, it makes sense in a certain sense, but I think it also is really dumb in a lot of other ways. Um, and so I basically try to, A, just have a comfortable conversation with the person um, and just see what he or she is like. And, and just talk to them about like what they want to do and like what their end games are or like what kind of stuff they just personally like to do, even if it's not related to software and just try to get a sense for who they are. Um, and then on top of that, I like to see people who are just sort of doing it on their own a little bit. Like I, I don't want someone to be like, you know, I'm a good programmer generally and I can't wait to get started on iOS. It's like, well, if you can't wait to get started, like have you done any projects on your own? Like did you – because that's what I did. I mean, even I just wanted to get into iOS, so I just built a few apps, you know, and like kind of got started. And I think seeing people who aren't waiting for someone to take them on, but are willing to just get started on their own is a really good sign of someone who will get it done. And when they're stuck on a problem, will be able to just figure it out. Um, but also, I think just in the, the kind of casual conversation that you have, instead of this like really cold interview, you just get a sense for if they're a cool person or if they like are maybe too high strung or, you know, uh, random other things that I think matter more to just the personal relationship, but that I think then affects, you know, the overall relationship. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. Um, I It's very coincidental because uh, in interviewing people, I've been reading a lot of stuff about interviewing in general right? mm -hmm. because I want to be a better interviewer, make it more conversational, etc. And um, I came across this guy named Cal Fussman who's like super smart, like amazing storyteller. If you ever get the chance to listen to the Tim Ferriss episode with him, it's like amazing. Like for two hours, you're just hooked. But anyway, so he, <laughs> cool. he talks about like the fact that like interview questions like you were saying are just so like cold that people are just going to memorize and i kind of used to do this they just memorize the questions and their answers that they think are going to look the best and then they mm -hmm. just basically spit out their answers and make it look like it's spontaneous mm -hmm, right which mm -hmm. is like really not what you want definitely uh, yeah person so mm -hmm. so yeah i think your style especially you know the the um for the technical stuff like that passion the passion projects and stuff on the side is is um really useful totally useful way of approaching it um cool so i'm gonna i'm gonna transition a little bit and um talk about some of your projects in college so um i, I one of the things 
I kind of I didn't even know you were doing this to be honest. Um, I, I saw an article about is it Satter? How do you pronounce it? Oh, oh, uh, Sater, Sater. About yeah. like I saw an article and I was like, oh crap, this is something such just started. Like I didn't even know. And it, was, it was really funny. It was like a um, you know like a college like a very geared towards UCLA uh, Onion article, and I was like, this is this is really good. Where where did you get the idea to start that? Oh, okay. So that's it's so funny. Okay, so this actually, uh, so I don't, I don't know when I like formally acknowledged that I enjoyed comedy writing or something like that. But even in in high school, we, me and a group of friends, we only did one issue, but we actually put out a like basically like a comedy like publication that started like sort of like satirized a bunch of things about our high school. Um, and I just love the whole process of like writing it and editing it and, you know, putting it together and handing them out or whatever we did. We actually just like put them in front of the doors in the morning. But, um, but so basically I come to UCLA and, um, and I think freshman year was just like kind of a blur, like uh, a lot of clubs and things that you can join and oh my gosh, so much stuff. Um, but in the process of my freshman year, uh, like I just came to identify that there wasn't a comedy magazine, which I thought was so strange because every major college had a comedy magazine and um, like, you know, Yale and Harvard and, and like, you know, Princeton Tiger, all these cool mags. Um, and UCLA is one of the biggest universities and just didn't have one. And so I kind of came back sophomore year with this like renewed vigor that I was going to start a comedy magazine. And I went and started talking to um, like the kind of the heads of student media uh, or I don't know, the heads of just media, I guess, because he was not a student. He was just this guy. Um, and he was sort of saying that like, yeah, we've had comedy magazines. We don't really like having comedy magazines, so we don't really support the whole practice. But if you're going to start one anyway, you should go meet with these kids who are also trying to start one. <laughs> um, and so, um, which was great advice. I was like, <laughs> it was just like, we don't want it to happen. But listen, if it's going to happen, <laughs> um, well, all right, thanks. Um, but he, uh, he pointed me in the direction of these cool kids who um, were also basically kind of going through the same thing. And it was just, it was just funny. The timing worked out so well. And we kind of met up. And and uh, and Seder basically, you know, blossomed out of this crew of like just kind of this ragtag team of kids who didn't know what they were doing. But also, there's kind of a cool element of Seder, and this is actually what they brought to the table. These are these were the uh, uh, like they're, they're like Tim, Adri, and Nathan were the the other the people that I met. Um, and they wanted to call it Seder because actually Seder was uh, UCLA's first comedy magazine. And so like UCLA had had like, a, I mean, it's like, you know, it's been around since 1919 or whatever, but, um, but it has had comedy magazines like up and down. Um, but we, you know, we were coming up with a new one, but there was this sort of cool idea to revive one of the ones that had kind of had a history at UCLA. Um, and we actually had um, one of the professors that sort of acted as kind of an advisor for us had written for it back in the day, oh, wow. um, which was super cool. So we got to write, um, which is a great tagline, uh, UCLA's oldest and newest comedy magazine. Um, and so, <laughs> um, but it, I mean, that's kind of how it started. And it, I mean, like doing design, like that was trial by fire, like learning in design and learning all these things. Um, I had had a, I had a decent amount of graphic design experience before, but um, but it kind of just started, and it was I mean, people who are willing to jump in on a on a comedy magazine that doesn't exist yet, like clearly have passion, you know. So we had a really great team of writers, and it was it, that was I mean that whole project and the I think it was right after the first year most of the those other people graduated um and then so it kind of it fell to me and uh 
me, like my friend Aaliyah and uh, my friend Marcy, uh, who became editors essentially, um, and just took over um, all of the aspects of it. And just, I mean, every step of it was just making it up as we went. But um, it was a lot of fun. That was maybe one of the most fun things I did in school. Dude, that's that's awesome. See, I think one of the so I try to take away personally for myself a lot of things from all my podcast guests, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to learn and this is the whole thing. I'm embracing my lazy, trying to take away as much as I can. And I think the coolest thing is one of my other podcast guests said the way he learns is he just jumps into the water and hopefully he doesn't drown and he learns how to swim. I feel like that defines <laughs> you in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, well, it's just like these certain ideas are just too exciting to like wait for, you know, you just do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I've definitely had projects that didn't that fizzled out. Maybe I can't think of any because mostly I kill it. But um, no, no, no. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, especially with projects like that. Like, I think definitely for professional projects, there's some hesitancy potentially. Right. But passion projects and stuff like you know, there's no harm. Like you know, if you want to do a, like paint a painting or write a book or whatever, you know, like not doing it is worse than doing it a little bit and not doing it maybe the best, you know? Um, yeah, what's but, the worst um, that's going to happen? I mean, I feel like you regret things you haven't done more than things you do. Yeah, yeah, that, I've, I've heard that. And, and it's, I, so my friend Connor told me that for the first time. He's like, you usually regret, yeah, exactly, the things you don't do, which is actually a really awful thing when you're shopping because you're like, I'm not going to regret like, which is true. I don't think I ever regret purchases. I only regret not like, Oh my God, that jacket was so sick. Why didn't I buy it like that? Like, but I've never like, Oh, that jacket that I've only worn 10 times was not worth it. Like, no, that was worth it. Whatever. Um, but yeah, exactly. Listeners buying some weird shit on Amazon, man. Yeah. Yeah. That tab you have open with your cart that you're thinking about, you buy it. You're going to regret not buying it. (laughs) Sponsored by Amazon. They're going to send hate mail to you and say that we bought all this shit because you told, told me to it. And we regret it. it. Yeah. We regret all of it. You're lying. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe, maybe hold off on that purchase and think it over a little bit before. Um, light tone, but it's, I I don't want to come across as too serious because a lot of the things I talk about as opposed to what you did is a lot of things I talk about are serious. So Mm -hmm. there, there needs to be like a little bit of undercurrent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if you have any kind of tips or books or any kind of resources that, that um, you've come across that have helped in terms of writing comedy or you know even just general because i know you performed as well i I saw your your stand-up sketch as well um yeah so interesting i i think a big thing for me like it's yeah this and i'm sure there are there are good humor books out there i guess like you know you can read really cool interviews with comedians and stuff and and that stuff is all really insightful and even like watching stand-up specials and stuff um but i think for me the most kind of motivating and and like inspiring sort of thing is just to hang out with the friends that make you laugh you know um and just like like there's there's certain people in my life who when i hang out with them is just the most fun and everything is so funny and also stay up really late like when you're delirious everything's funny so then you just (laughs) i discovered that some late nights in high school but um but i uh but yeah i mean i think if you just hang out with people that you find funny and 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 I also think it's just developing a sense for what you think is funny um, and letting that come out. Um, I think a lot of like jokes that I make even conversationally or whatever are not even jokes that I like thought of or anything, but are just things that like 
I just like thought was funny in that moment. And so I just, you know what I mean? And, 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 and not stressing too much about the form or anything like that. Like even when I'm writing like a, like a screenplay or if I'm writing like an article or something, that's a comedic one, like there'll, there'll generally be like a premise that's inherently funny that I found. And that's a little more formed, but then in the process of writing, I just sort of spitball, you know, and like, I think of a thing that I think is funny. Um, and it's, it's just sort of like, just removing inhibition and allowing yourself, I think, to just kind of be yourself um, and not worry about like how, like needing to look professional, needing to look whatever. Um, and then, you know, I think letting just understanding what you think is funny and letting that be, you know, what, what guides you. Try to figure out ways how to like inject that in and not make it too formal, but also know what you like. Definitely. And, and I think it's a really like, that was a good point though, like about like, you know, it depends on the form also. So I've actually found the more that I've written and th this is kind of like a, a, a positive and a negative, but like the more I've gotten into film, let's say, or I've gotten into articles or whatever, I, I'm actually a lot more critical of other articles that I read because now I'm sort of looking at it, not just totally as a consumer, but as someone who's learning about the craft. So it's, and I see people who are great at music do the same thing or great at sports when they watch a game or watch a performance. Um, but they're discerning because they're seeing what's happening. You know, I see a joke happen in standup or I see a joke written on the page. And I, I kind of, I like look at that joke and understand it a little bit or try to understand it. And then, you know, make a judgment call of like, oh, I think they could have done this better. Or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this so well. Um, and so if there's like a specific medium that you're trying to sort of articulate these jokes into or whatever, go read a lot or watch a lot of that medium and, and be, be comfortable being critical of it a little bit. I mean, don't be an asshole about it, but, but like, um, but I found that, um, it, it actually makes it so a lot of movies that you watch are like less enjoyable if you're kind of being critical, but also the really good ones are like way more enjoyable because you're like so impressed that they, they managed to pull this thing off or that they said this thing so well um, or so eloquently or whatever um, that, you know, so it's kind of, you know, it's so some movies are just really worse now, but, um, but some movies are just so inspiring too. Um, and that kind of helps you get a feel for that format or whatever. Yeah. I think it's, um, there's like a unique balance that everybody has to find between balancing what the audience wants, whatever your audience is and kind of mm -hmm. what your taste is, I think, which, totally. which helps to like have those. Cause I do that too. I like, well, uh, actually I just, um, uh, messaged Akshay, Akshay this guy who's, who's also on the podcast. Um, I messaged him one of my audio essays I did and he mm -hmm. gave me a bunch of good feedback. Cause if you're like, sometimes I get like really in a project, right? Like I'm seeing it from like my creator standpoint and totally. it's really tough for me to like listen to it with fresh ears. So it was really helpful for him to say like, Oh, I listened to it. Like I didn't know anything about this and this is what I thought about it. Cause even totally. that stuff is like, so also funny. those kinds of friends are the best who are like, yeah, I'll read your screenplay. Like, yeah, I'll listen to your thing. <laughs> yeah, you I know? have a lot like, of friends that bother the, uh, the the first draft, you know, like they know you haven't edited it. Also, yeah, actually, is the the best. I love that guy. He he was uh, my co. I, oh, we you already knew this, right? The yeah, but um, that guy's dope. Um, yeah, he's one but, of the friends that bother. And when your first couple drafts are always super crappy. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's so rough. It's, it's like, like, have you even read this? Like, no, I'm just letting you read it first. Like, I don't even <laughs> want to look at it. I know um, it's that bad. Yeah, you have to <laughs> you have to trust that person a lot. You have to trust yeah. them to know that like. That isn't like, you know, the final draft and everything. I have a couple of friends like that. Other, most people I wouldn't show like 
any of my first couple drafts. Um, I'm like reluctant to even show my final draft, you know? So like, definitely. So yeah. That goes into it. But I think, I think my, my grandma is a huge inspiration too, because she'll say things like, she, it, it's funny because she is so technologically advanced for someone who's that old, but, um, and like uses FaceTime and is like so hip on all these apps and stuff. But, um, but it's so funny because I'll be stressing about whatever it is. Like if I was in college, it was like finals or, you know, even now if it's like, oh my God, like, I'm not sure if we'll land this contract. It's like this big contract. And she like might not even know like what the hell I'm talking about, you know, like, I'm oh, differential whatever, or like what program but she's just like none of that matters as long as you're happy okay you don't stress out like and like that's such a funny fundamental but like so like that's so real because like all of this shit is so temporary in so many ways and and having someone just be like whatever like let's just drink some wine you know and it's like yeah. fuck yeah like you need to I, like, like that. you do and and it's just like having people who are just there to love you and who you can love and and just are down to support you and so, and so that that's always been really cool um I have some uh, some professors from UCLA that were really cool, um, who were really inspiring. Uh, there was this one teacher named Diana Ford who was super cool, like very renegadey in her in her in her in her pursuits. So she uh, sort of just like started the VR program at UCLA and started like the gaming courses there, and it was like extremely popular courses that she just sort of like had to continually fight the institution to get started, which I think is just a cool thing to do, just generally. Um, and just like teachers who were motivated uh, to teach their students. And, and I, I think that really resonates with me. Like anyone who takes their fame or their position or whatever, um, but uses it in a way that also just relates to the people who aren't there yet, you know? Like, so if that's a professor not being a total asshole to students, you know, or like kind of coming or like getting where they're coming from, or I've, I've met some famous people who are really like, just down to earth and like really cool about it. Um, because I think it's, I think it's important that at every step of the process to like, to remember where you came from and not totally like get a big head about like, Oh, well I've gotten here now. Like, well, yeah, well that person's just in high school still or whatever, you know, they're working at it. Like, I think it's, I, I, I always really appreciate and find very inspiring, uh, when people who are in these positions of power, or whatever are just nice and like, and, and really just are there to help that person grow or whatever in kind of a cordial way and not acting so high and mighty all the time. Um, so that's cool. I don't, I didn't, I didn't really name too many specific people, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, those, those vibes really are, are mentory vibes that I've really appreciated. That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you've had, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of cool teachers and stuff like that, um, at UCLA. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i want to i, I want to throw someone in there who i just don't even know like hey, but you know what i really find this person's work is but that's true i mean i don't know i don't know what, what like what's the difference between someone you find inspiring and a mentor like do they have to know who you are you know like you're saying i mentored you like kid i never talked to you like how's it you know like i think quentin tarantino is a really great mentor like i never met the guy but he seems like a great guy <laughs> you know um so yeah I, I, well i think for me like you know a mentor could be someone i haven't met like i've read books or watched movies and like seen things uh, seen interviews where i'm just like that's you know what a mentor would say to me right now like that's that he basically oh, knows totally. what going through and <laughs> yeah perfect. that's true that's true i think yeah okay all right then i'll take that i'll take that yeah there's definitely especially like there's like inspiring movies and books and stuff so i'll definitely take that um oh and then also friends i just gotta say like i mean it, like 
friends is a weird one because I think you mentor each other, but yeah, like just generally growing from these people who are just going through the same stuff as me or just like also like, is this what being an adult is like? Like no one told me, you know? And I think, you know, you, you learn from like kind of the collective human experience of the people around you. So I, I guess uh, what uh, the better question maybe is, and it's probably a harder question is, do you know what about these things is so appealing to you? Like, is there like a strand um, that you're like, oh yeah, this is the sort of thing that like makes for a really good, let's just take, for example, movie. Totally. Okay. So, so I, I, I'll go into, I guess a type of movie and, and this is the type of movie that I, at least one of these I'd like to make. Um, so for every movie, there's different things, you know, like the reason I like Snatch is different than why I like Happy Gilmore, which is different than I like, you know, whatever. But, but I think this is something that, uh, the, like Wes Anderson and Taika do really well. Um, and I mean, in a lot of movies that I do like, um, which is that they can make a movie that is a funny movie or is a beautiful movie or, or, you know, like there's like certain lighthearted elements, but also the ability to kind of really get into some intense, you know, emotional conflict that someone's having or like really showing things that are, you know, something to go about, like what it's like to have your heart broken or what it's like to really be this enamored with someone or what it's like to like just go through like a, like some kind of loss or in, in handle it in a way where it it's there and you're really empathizing with it, but it's not also just so depressing. It's like a movie that has all of these different elements, um, that it is funny and it is beautiful and it's and especially I mean oh my god watch La Vita Bella because that is the most conflicting movie I've ever seen it's like the first half is like so hilarious and the second half is like so intense um but it does like this great job of like you know there you can find humor in a lot of things and I think you know that's that's already such a beautiful thing to be able to do which is like you know this is such a sad situation otherwise but to find these sort of beautiful positive things out of it um and also I think movies that are that do a beautiful job of like weaving together storylines. Um, I think Snatch does a really good job of that. And I mean, Pulp Fiction does a great job of that. Um, and uh, I think that's like, like masterful writing. Like I really appreciate when, you know, you can take a lot of elements. It doesn't feel jumbled and, you know, weave them together in like a meaningful way where it does end up telling this beautiful story. Um, I think that's super cool. Oh, in Bruges, I got to throw that in there. That's a great movie. Oh. Um, we should uh, we should definitely talk more about this. Yeah, um, no, I I I, I, I would have a talk lot of about movies about all day. Oh I my can, gosh, yeah, that's like one of my favorite things to talk about. And just like you know, even some of the other kind of um, questions I had for you, I feel like we could you know we have so much stuff to talk about. That we can probably go on for days, but you know that would definitely, be yeah, the yeah. Best I will, I won't destroy your podcast like derailing it into this. Unfortunately, um, so I, I guess to <laughs> wrap to wrap up, is there? Do you have any kind of last thoughts, um, last tidbits you want to um, leave for the listener? Um, any you know, a kind of like an aftertaste. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so a lot of this uh, felt like about passion projects or about sort of these things, and I think. One thing that I, I really enjoy in other people and I think is a really great quality is 
is when I see people who don't necessarily take the world for granted, and that and that manifests itself in several different ways. But I think one really cool one is just like a curious nature, and so it's like like when you if you take a kid to the or like let's say let's start with this you take someone to the you know to let's say uh, a zoo and you're like hey look it's a llama they'll just go like oh cool like it's a llama I've you know I've seen pictures of llamas you know you take a kid to an like to a zoo and they're like oh my god look it's a llama you know in person like look what a llama looks like and and I think it's like like you know we we we've seen everything it's all everything's on the internet you know but I think having this like real like like kind of like curiosity about the world and like being like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is my one life that I'm experiencing right now. And like, sure, I've heard about this thing, but I've never seen it or I've never been here and it's never been exactly January 24th, 2017 or whatever, you know? Um, and then in the same vein, like if you're, if you're not taking the world for granted, you also sort of are like, well, what do I want to make? You know, like all these things have been made. I can make things in the world too. You know, I, I, if you want to like the, the, the spirit of like, Oh, I really like, want to join a club like well but if there's not a club that you like like maybe make your own club you know like make your own book make your own thing and find your own friends who want to do the same thing uh i i think it's like just letting yourself have passions and and kind of turning down the voice that's that's like the adult voice i guess sometimes i mean to, to a reasonable extent but like you know it's okay to want to do something kind of silly like oh you want to start a puppet theater like go for it there's actually the bob barker bob baker like marionette theater near me like that's amazing that that even exists like i like i think passions are something to be proud of and uh, and things to that you should go after uh regardless if, it, if it's something that you want to do or something you care about i think Unless it's like a horrible, like violent thing, like I don't know, I don't know what the what the options are. I just have a passion for making other people really unhappy. Um, so don't do that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think like going for it and not letting people tell you no, um, and inf and instead finding people who are saying yes and are helping you or who are you know wanting to be there with you as you want to fulfill these sort of imaginations that you have. Yeah, that's that's great advice because. Um, and you kind of aptly summarize one of my, uh, podcast episodes that I have. Cool. So now you, now you don't have to watch that episode. You can just listen yeah. to this wrap up and <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm basically, I'll just steal, uh, this one line and put it in my, uh, podcast totally. actually just, just take the sentence and like break it into like five pieces and just sprinkle it throughout the podcast. <laughs> so it doesn't even make sense. But like at the end they're like, I think it said this thing. Um, yeah, just like Pulp Fiction. There you go. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it'll make sense at the end. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, yeah totally. Thanks. But thank you so much for yeah inviting me onto the thing. This was a lot of fun. There's a lot to take away from this episode. First, you won't know anything when you start. You need to jump in and try to swim. And you have to treat everything like an adventure. Like it's a wonderful delight. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. Don't ever forget where you are. And how you're living your life. Doing the things you always wanted to do. That's the thing. One of the main takeaways I took from Sachin. Is that he's doing all these things he's always wanted to do. But he doesn't let himself. Get too bogged down by stress. He's just happy. That every moment's happening. As it's happening. And he takes delight in that. Second. I wanted to emphasize Sachin's last point again. I know you just heard it. But it's very important. To summarize, you have to be curious. Never take things for granted. Always try to learn more. Life is fascinating and everyone has a wonderful story to tell. 
In fact, that's the reason I started this podcast. If you want to learn how to build lazy habits and actually make them stick, you want to learn how to meditate and exercise or do all those things you've been putting off, check out my free class on creating lazy habits that stick at embraceyourlazy.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.